0: The issues discussed on the Row Call Room podcast do not reflect the opinions of any specific agency and are the views of the host or guest only. Any persons discussed may be fictional for comedic purposes. This podcast is rated explicit and listener discretion is advised.
1: denominator of failure why are you failing you never say cuz of me oh it's the competition it's the economy it's the president it's Congress if you wake up tomorrow morning and blame your failure on someone or something else you have no reason to change do you but if you woke up in the morning and looked in the mirror and said, I am failing because of me. The decisions that I make, the energy I put in, I'm not passing the blame. If you look in the mirror tomorrow and say that, you will change. Because nobody likes thinking of themselves as a failure.
2: Winners win and losers lose. And if you create a culture of losing, if you keep being a victim, if you keep letting losing happen to you, if you keep letting people do you and treat you any kind of way, it's going to become a culture.
1: Take ownership. Take ownership of everything in your world, the good and the bad. Don't make excuses, don't blame any other person or any other thing. Take ownership of your mistakes. Take ownership of your shortfalls. Take ownership of your problems. And then take ownership of the solutions that will get those problems solved. Take ownership of your job, of your team, of your future, and take ownership of your life. The people in life that win play offense, not defense.
2: Stop backing into everything. Stand up, bow your back a little bit. Start to walk a little different. Start to be that best version of you. You can do it in your quiet way. You can do it the way you do it, but somehow they gotta look at you and go, okay, I won't monkey with that one. You push back. You got to get obsessed. You gotta get relentless. You gotta be a road dog. You gotta get intense. You gotta have a permeating attitude that you're gonna win. You gotta have a positive outlook. You gotta be optimistic. You gotta know you're gonna win. You gotta, and right now you gotta say, I'm gonna win. I'm going to win. My life is going to win. There's going to be a victorious life here. Because listen to me, the price you pay for losing here is too extreme. You have to carry the burden of failure the rest of your life. As we begin to elevate ourselves and not to follow the crowd, activating the thinker in us and disciplining and putting on hold the emotional part of ourselves, it's not easy but through practice and practice and practice, practice makes improvement. You can always better your best. You can always go beyond anything that you have ever done. You'll never hit a state of perfection. You're always bigger than what you do. And so all you're looking for are new breakthroughs through practice and practice and practice. You'll get better and better and better. Something you should affirm to yourself every day. Repeat this, please. No matter how bad it is or how bad it gets, I'm going to make it. The people that make it in this world look around for the circumstances that they want and if they can't find them, they create them. It's hard, no easy, it's not an option. However, ladies and gentlemen, what you will discover is that it's worth it. it takes guts, you gotta dig down deep to gut it out, keep on going again and again and again. Until you make it happen because you know that it's possible and you are the determining factor.
0: We're back! Hello, welcome to the Roll Call Room podcast, the podcast that woke an entire profession and continues to be a pain in the ass to Commanders. And now, here's your hosts, Logan, Lauren, my Uncle Mike, and my mom and dad, Nick and Nicole. Fuck you, Commanders. Imagine Jenny's been- ever Bad boys, what
1: you want, what you want, what you gonna do When
3: Sherry John don't come for you It's been so long, I don't know what to say Welcome to a brand new episode of...
4: What podcast is this? Hey, it so long Roll Call oh, Room, right? Oh, uh, Roll Call Room Podcast we still, do we still
3: have our rights to broadcast? <laughs> <laughs> we know, right? By
4: now, uh, by now, <laughs> somebody else bought the rights to this podcast. Ladies and <laughs> <two> gentlemen, <laughs>
3: sponsored by Sponsors, <laughs> yeah. Sponsored,
0: she's Sponsored. Oh
4: my God! It's been so long. Welcome back, folks that are finally uh, happy that we have a new episode. Dust coming my out. mic. Um, I was saying uh, when it wasn't recording that. When I set up the studio, it was like an episode of The Walking Dead because there was so much dust all over the equipment because it hasn't been used in in, uh, two months. Uh, And folks have been emailing and messaging on uh, uh, Instagram and Facebook asking, what's going on? Did you guys shut down? Uh, Did Mike run for the hill? Why is it every episode you
3: have to give this disclaimer?
4: I don't or. know because folks were expecting every week for there to be something yeah, and, and then there wasn't And could life happens, man. We talk very much on this show mm-hmm. about like, you know, life and, and, and importance of self care. And it was getting to the point where it was,
0: we all needed some self. We needed
4: some self care. We, we had a lot of stuff going on. Um, we moved, I just had a dirty, thought. I'm just gonna let it go though. <laughs> we moved, <laughs> I broke my foot uh you know uh, i'm just here
0: making coffee lawsuits
4: and uh, beer beer and chiefs leaving positions and uh, yeah we never
3: even did that one
4: i know i know there's so much to catch everybody else up on so
3: we don't have to be a negative show anymore We're gonna we can be a don't. positive I we, know, don't, right? we don't have to <laughs> all talk these about, enlightening things now
4: yeah we don't have to talk about the former agency anymore because uh, the head honcho has been booted out of position. So I know that the uh, folks over in our former agency that listen to this for um, information and to send detectives over because <laughs> there's nothing better else for them to do. Want to know why we haven't talked about the agency? Because there's nothing to talk about anymore. Uh, you guys will self implode. Mission on your accomplished. Yeah, mission yeah. accomplished. It was always about getting rid of uh, the person who was the 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 biggest problem over there which was the chief and when one he, of the biggest one problem. of the biggest problems there are many little minion problems but well the
0: um, funny thing is is that he's got his tail between his legs and yep. he's in another part of the world
4: he was a little bitch and didn't uh didn't do his little walk out out the front door he had to slink out the, the, the back door and i thought he had a walkout no 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 you, and, no. you told me you, you. There was a whole email about. There's a, a yeah. Announcement. Yeah, he was supposed he to was walk supposed out the front, to, but he didn't. And then he found out that there was going to be people in the front heckling him, and so. He slid out the back door without a motor escort or anything. <laughs> you no, know, he he slipped out the back door, you know, like like it, a piece it's of Sidon. shit Yeah, Yeah. And uh, like here, let me
0: throw my key card back. Yeah. <laughs> over the gate.
4: <laughs> what's funny is, is uh, you know, those of you that don't know, our old police department uh, had a brand new headquarters, and their roll call room was split up into three different roll call rooms. And so you can open up these dividers and have this tri- gin- ginormous training area, which is basically where the chief slipped his dick inside of us uh, <laughs> with his first town hall meeting when we first met him.
3: It's a little, like and a little, a little wrinkly, <laughs>
4: and a little raisin. And um, and uh, so they uh, made me laugh because the PIO from the department took a picture of his goodbye
3: and wait, Courtney knows how to use a picture a uh, camera. No, it wasn't. It wasn't <laughs> no, him. It was, no.
4: it was the one that they hired after that really. Anyway, uh-huh. um, so she uh, so she takes this picture of the big room because I guess they had anticipated hundreds of people flooding in this room to say goodbye. Yeah. And at most, at most, there was 20 people in the room. And out of the 20, like five or six of them were officers and detectives only waiting for the food yeah and like like i paid my only dues waiting for the sandwiches the paninis
3: you know so this guy slinked champagne out champagne is quietly being yeah. yeah. room. <laughs>
4: yeah,
1: locker.
3: Uh, uh, so this
4: guy not only left the department but he wound up putting his house up for sale and moving back to california where did you ever find he,
3: your books <laughs> uh,
4: somebody
0: may or may not have left one on his
3: bed. I heard that's a few of them.
4: I uh, <laughs> I heard rumors that there was an open house at his his place, and oh, yeah. somebody may or may not have gone to the open house and left um, one of my books on his bed and one in his refrigerator. I don't condone it. I don't welcome it. Um, and whoever did that, free advertising. Um, <laughs> yeah, whoever did that. Uh, you can reach me at nick at rollcallroom uh, for a free bag of coffee from the rollcallroomcafe.com
0: And somebody may or may not have booked all of the appointments on the open showing weekend and then did not show up or answer their phone or email.
4: That's a dick <laughs> move. Yeah, wow. it is, isn't it? Who would do that? I
0: don't know. I, don't know. I own a coffee shop. I just, I just. I don't
4: I don't know. I drink beer. I don't yeah. go into the city of Alexandria anymore, Not uh, um, without medication. No, without no. medication. Uh, I do have to drive past it every day on the train. Yeah, it's it suck. sucks so bad, and it's like,
3: like legitimately, I can't even. Like, oh, when I drive sucks, through dude. the city, it's like the anxiety that I get, and it's it's. My, I tell my therapist, I'm like, I just don't get it. It's just PTSD, whatever you want to call it, but it's just like the thought of just driving down king yep. street or, or route 1 i won't do it it's it's and, and seeing a cop car drive by it's like oh. i won't do it i,
0: I am won't. just thankful that i had really good friends when it was my time to leave i just packed up all of my shit put it in a box nicely after it was ironed and washed and my my friends from my security team turned in all my stuff for me they so didn't, i didn't even have to do it they didn't throw it in the trash like mine no and, and mine i had on one of, of the cart. and <laughs> one of my my best female friends went to the locker room, emptied out my locker, brought me everything nice and neat in a box. Nice. Made it back to nice. me, and I didn't have to suffer that anxiety. I love it.
4: Yeah. I, I, you know, I, it's funny because the train goes by police headquarters, the back of it, where we used to all like hang out. Burp, by burp. The, well, and my, my service dog that I go into work with, it's like, he senses it. Like I'll look up. I could be like playing a video game on my phone. And it's like, I know that we're passing that port part and it's the exact time I look up and that's where we are is behind headquarters. And my dog just like kind of looks at you me face, going, and just get goes, over it, dude. It's not even worth it, bro. <laughs> it's like, you want me to go over there and take a shit? He's like, he goes, I know, bro. I know. I know. But you know, the good thing is, is that that portion of both of our lives is over, um, sort of. There are still bad players uh, in that agency, but that's going to sort itself out. That that place, Harman. Everybody that's in there deserves. Yeah, at least uh, you're each free other. and clear. I still have some issues that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, himself. I know.
4: I know. And 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 they're that still yeah, I know. a year later trying that. And that's what sucks is until those players get worked out, that there there won't be closure for you. Because uh, for me, it was him. Everything circled around him. Uh, he was a liar. Um, You know, things that he said to me on the phone were lies and and, and, right to my face. Right. And when you were going through it, I had told you, don't, you know, be careful. The guy's a liar. Um, So, you know, that portion is over. Uh, The good thing is, folks, we're back on track now. We've, um, uh, we'll be putting out some episodes. Uh, Nicole has joined our crew, Uh, Logan Campbell has joined our crew. Uh, And the reason why we did that is, is that to try and coordinate everybody to come on at the same time is very, very difficult. So with adding some more hosts, um, you know, when one person can't jump on as a co-host, we can kind of move things. Uh, We do want more fan participation. We have some fans that are going to come on the show that have some some great stories, one of which is uh, when we come back from break uh, is Denny. Um, Nicole and I went to a DCJS uh, trauma and law enforcement conference. And we met Denny, and his story was so compelling that we wanted him to come on. He'll be coming on later on. Uh, and I'm sure it's something that uh, Lauren, Nicole, and I can relate to. Uh, so folks like that, uh, we're going to have some of our previous guests on that were really, really heavy hitters, like Mike Tomas is going to come back on. Um, we're going to try and get Travis Yates back on. get yeah, a okay, the guy named
3: Chris back on?
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: My buddy Bill Young. Uh,
4: Bill Young's going to come on. Um, uh, Joe, uh, and Ernie, uh, from journey, uh, uh, crisis cops is going to come on. We actually did the conference with Joe. Uh, he was one of the speakers and he was just absolutely phenomenal, he was amazing. just amazing. Um, so, you know, we got a lot of cool things, pre- uh, prepared for you folks. We're getting back into the swing of it. Um, you know, there's a lot of shit that's been going on in the news, a lot of, you know, political stuff that's going on. Uh, we'll address all of that. This is more of like just getting back into the swing of things. Of course, Mike will be on um, a couple of these episodes. He has finally retired from the job. He he retired um, back in uh, July, July one. Whoop, whoop. Uh, yep. So yeah, he
0: looks happy and healthy. He again. looks
4: happy and healthy. <laughs> um, he looks homeless. He does. Um uh, so did but you happy for and the longest healthy. time too? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's true. true. But he looks like Chris Farley ate Chris Farley. Yeah,
0: you know, like he does
4: and uh, so. You know, Michael be on. We'll be playing tons of new games to piss Mike off, and um, you know, one day Lauren will finish his story. I <laughs> nah, won't. Well, and and uh, still ongoing. Yeah. Uh, so we have a lot of cool things planned, folks, and um, we we thank you for coming back and 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 um, you know, return back to show. I appreciate all the emails and everything. Uh, a couple of folks that uh, we read their anonymous emails on the show have reached out and now no longer want to be anonymous. So that's kind of cool. Uh, I got an email, uh, not an email, but I got a, um, Instagram inbox message. I sent it to Nicole from a gentleman that we read his anonymous email on one of our episodes. He wants to come on the show and not be anonymous anymore. Uh, which I think is great. Um, we didn't forget about you folks. Uh, you know, like we keep preaching on the show, it's all about self care. And it just got to the point with, Life going on and, and different things going on, we needed to take a pause and then come back to it. So it's,
3: it's, it's therapeutic.
4: It is. It's very therapeutic. It
0: yeah. yeah. But sometimes you just need that time to get your head on, get it in the right yeah, spot. Yeah.
3: And, uh, and, uh, well, even just just coming out here and just being silly or, or, yeah, or slap it, yeah. happy or whatever. And it, it, it distracts from the day to day crap that yep. continuously goes on in life. And, yep. Oh, believe yeah, it It's good to come together and, and, and recap and,
4: yeah, and I, I don't think, uh, you know, reach out. It, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of production. It takes a lot of different things. It's not a matter of just turning on a microphone and then just recording. There's editing, there's marketing. There's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. It takes Dusting, up a lot of
3: sanitizing. Time. Yeah. Cleaning.
4: yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> emotions. <laughs> emotions. And, 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 you know, like, uh, so it's good to, it's good to be back. It's, it's very therapeutic. I think we all need it. Um, and, uh, Nicole and I realized at the conference, there were so many people that relied on the episodes, um, not even just every week, but just to listen to them and understand that other people are going through what they're going through. Um, so we will be back into the swing of things and, um, you know, we're happy that you guys tuned back in. Uh, so we're going to take a break and then we're going to come back with, uh, Denny and then, um, we'll go from there. Uh, so. Those of you uh, that um, are fans of the show uh, know that we own a coffee shop. You can go to the rollcallroomcafe.com uh, and we ship our coffee and um yeah, that's hey, still going since on. you're
3: plugging businesses, yeah. yeah. Cool. You know, amazing the, brewery the over Brewer here, Brew Republic. And uh, oh, Brew Republic, yeah, good How, beer,
0: great beer. Does Brewer that
3: Brewer has a partner Roll
0: Call Room Cafe.
3: We actually partnered with Roll Call Room Cafe, and then the two of us have now partnered with uh, Always Flavored, made us made a very interesting, spicy uh, I like it. Sauce. Nice. it. Where can they uh, is there a website? So, uh, Brew Republic, B-R-E-W-R-E-P-U-B-L-I-C Beer Works is located in Woodbridge in town, uh, the Potomac Town Center by Wegmans, and uh, Always Flavored is featured here at our Farmer's Market, which is right next to the Roll Call Cafe every Sunday from 11 to 2.
0: Awesome. And then what about that wonderful, delicious beer?
3: The Inception. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What a wonderful collaboration. I love telling the story that you know two former law enforcement officers from Alexandria, Nick working for uh, as a sergeant for apd and nicole for the sheriff's reti- you know retired and opened up a coffee shop and then i used to work for nick at some free point in my career we've become good friends and i am now the general manager of the brewery and so we gave him beer he infused it into his coffee beans and sells coffee that's infused with different types of alcohol beer yes. was one of them then yes. he gave us those beans and, and we so good we made a stout so good. out of it 9.4 percent i love it it is so our top good. seller it's great yeah, when my
0: customers it. come in and they're like thank you for sending me there it was amazing
3: well now it. now now we're putting ice cream in it so now Ooh. we have I ice cream you have inception Sundays. i have to have Ooh, one to try it's that. phenomenal try i'm Ooh. so excited yeah be- come on yeah. out check us out bone car room cafe and beer brew republic all right folks we'll be right back so I'll take the free advertising.
5: Gee, I am very tired. How tired are you? Very tired. I've been working a lot of overtime and it is making me very tired. You, my friend, need some sleep. No. I will sleep when I'm dead. (laughs) What I
4: need is a good cup of freshly roasted gourmet coffee.
5: Freshly roasted gourmet coffee you say? Yes. Do
4: you know where I could get a cup of freshly roasted gourmet coffee?
5: I do. Where? The Roll Call Room Café. The Roll Call Room Café? The Roll Call Room Café. It's located at 17229 Wayside Drive in Dumfries, Virginia. The Roll Call Room Cafe uses only the finest premium gourmet beans, and unlike national chains, the Roll Call Room Cafe imports, roasts, grinds, and packages their coffee on site. Sounds delicious, Roland. It is. But Roland, I'm
4: in Nebraska.
5: No problem there. You can order their coffee online at www.RollCallRoomCafe.com RollCallRoomCafe.com RollCallRoomCafe.com
4: All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back from break. Uh, We have a fantastic guest here, Um, Denny. Denny, welcome to uh, the Roll Call Room Podcast. How are you?
6: I'm well, Nick. Thanks for having me.
4: Awesome. So, um, where did we get Denny from? Um, uh, he's not a mail order guest. <laughs> um, and, um, so we, my wife Nicole and I, we were at this law enforcement, uh, uh, trauma and law enforcement conference, uh, this past week, uh, down in Norfolk. Is that right? Norfolk. Yeah. I, Norfolk. Right. Norfolk. Right. Nor- yeah, I keep getting Norfolk and, um,
0: newport news. newport
4: news i keep news. saying newport news um we we're down to this conference and i was just lauren just came in the room and uh he was like well where did you meet denny so the funny story is about this conference uh it was for dcjs for virginia and they do this uh trauma and law enforcement uh conference every year uh i think this was their fourth year doing it and because of covid it's really changed the dynamics of their conference uh, so half of uh, half of the people attended on virtual, uh, which was really weird because I had to do a presentation virtually, which was nothing like the one that you saw, Denny. It was oh, wow. like nothing. It was in my backyard. It was in my backyard <laughs> in the woods. It literally looked like I was like a hostage. Like uh, So they were just letting me like, like the Taliban was letting me do a video uh, so if this
3: is how you're gonna do it this is where I'll do it yeah
4: I'll do it my right <laughs> way. So um, so uh, the, the organizer who is awesome, his name is Chris. He asked me, hey, do you want to come down? you want to do this uh, do um, uh, speak at it because uh, he read the the first book uh, that I wrote and I said, yeah sure. So he's like, you'll be uh, the last day. I was like cool, awesome so I could watch the first day and kind of see what presenters present what. So I get down there and um i look at the um, the program yeah program and i'm the last day last person and i'm like fuck like second day last person fuck no pressure yeah because nothing's the top denny you know this and lauren knows this when you go to these conferences you don't fucking stay for the last like (laughs) you just jet out you're lucky if you stay for the last two really
0: i do i stay till the very end you're a
4: fucking nerd man yeah, like when you I said don't. That, I was like, What the
0: fuck, man? I don't.
3: I, there's been many conferences, especially if it's in Virginia Beach, I love them. <laughs> DCGS on top of that. Yeah, can I get my certification amount? Yeah, you're like, <laughs> I was here. Let me get my legal credits. <laughs>
1: I came close <laughs> to getting out here. early. Did
4: you, uh, <laughs> you really? I see you're not alone because there were people that came up to our desk or our table where we had our book for sale and they were like, they were like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to stick around for the last one. And I was like, no, I get it. I'm not mad at you. And so we're looking at the program, and it says uh, keynote speaker. And this was the first day. And I hadn't prepared any PowerPoint. I was just going to go up there and freeball it. And um, so that night in the hotel room, I had to fucking put together a PowerPoint. And it was the cheesiest PowerPoint. It was like five fucking Is this a spots. misprint? <laughs> it was just. Uh, it was it was so bad, and then Denny had to sit through my my presentation, and I didn't even use any of the fucking slides. Yeah, it was hilarious. Uh, Nicole did a great job recording it. And I watched some of it last night, and it's just hilarious because none of my slides like I don't go up there and change it at all. Um, but I met Denny. Denny was uh, Denny had come up to the table, and Denny started telling me uh, his story, and um, it absolutely fit what the show is about. And, um, you know, you and I have gone back and forth texting since, um, since you've agreed to come on the show and, you know, you have some great aspirations of things that you want to do. Um, and, uh, like Lawrence said, his therapist says that this is very therapeutic. It is very therapeutic, um, doing these shows and, um, getting them out there, especially oddly when you listen to the show afterwards. Wait, when was the last time we did one? Two months ago. No shit yeah
0: yeah minutes.
4: life happened. probably why i'm so
3: depressed yeah
4: oh yeah. here we go
3: no, here we go it's not about me oh, here oh, we go wow. All Nick. All Nick. oh here we go there we go no i don't need gappy coming back here no, no 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 i have my service dog in here too denny. so
4: denny tell us a little bit about yourself
6: well um as I, I go by denny my name is dennis prophet i'm a i'm a junior um my, my dad was um, a second-generation law enforcement officer. My dad spent 43 years in law enforcement. Um, I am wow. married on my second um, marriage, and we have a blended family, my wonderful wife, Misty. We have five children between us, her two, my three, wow. you know, ages 13, 16, 18, 20, and 21. Um, so, yeah. And I had about 20 years law enforcement before I ended up getting out and changing um and i was about uh three different jurisdictions or three departments that i worked for during my 20 years um and one of those departments was you know one of the ones my my father came up through so he actually had a pretty pretty stellar career i mean he spent about 17 years narcotics when i was growing up um he went through the ranks for the police department making captain and then later on was elected sheriff and spent two terms as the sheriff for the county so he's You know some big shoes to fill when I stepped into the career. Um, some
4: pressure, yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, that's definitely some pressure,
6: yeah, a little bit. Um, a little bit, and he always says there's there's no pressure, but you know, that's easy to say when you're not the guy that's trying to fill those shoes, but um, but I, at least I <laughs> yeah, spent about yeah. 20 years, um, and a change around from some departments. My last department, I spent 15 years at before I, I left, and I'm doing licensing investigation for uh the lottery now for you know sports betting casinos stuff like that so it's still some quasi semi-investigative work more background work but it's not out on the street and um and with the the toll of a law you are you no no well um, that You're would not be a great bookie. but no, uh, <laughs> no all right.
4: wait you order bookie? i'll put 20 on the bills no continue You don't even know. I don't
6: know. No, that's um pretty much it for the career. I actually, when I left, you know, you mentioned Chris with DCGS. I actually worked with Chris for almost a year. I actually left and went to DCGS briefly, and that just wasn't a fit. And I just Mm -hmm. here been the past weeks where I have gone to this new position. But um, you know, a big part of of DCGS was that um, Impact of Trauma conference, and I attended the very first one. I've attended everyone since. And on the upside of things, you know, I, I, going to the conference, I started seeing some things that I was recognizing in myself. Unfortunately, didn't it? It, it didn't, I, I guess, marinate enough or to uh, or come in enough to really get me to make some hard changes. Until you know, I had a, you know, a, a, a forced change, if you will, that came into play. That when everything just kind of turned upside down, as I call it, the nuclear event, and that's where things mm-hmm. changed from there.
3: Don't we all have that at some point in our career?
6: Yeah, some
4: later than others, though. Like,
0: yeah,
4: when when some folks in this profession hear this show, they can't relate to it, and then like we'll get an email from something people listened to go listened like eight months ago, and then the light bulb goes off because the current climate in law enforcement, they're like shit, now i recognize what you're talking about now i'm starting to realize that this literally is just a job this is not a family
3: as it's sold to you like this is not
0: like a fraternity yeah a yeah, it, it, yeah it but is, the thing
3: is 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 like we've talked about this a thousand times where you leave the job for whatever reason and you don't have anybody there that supports you or checks on you or, or checks in you think you had all these friends and all these this family that, that you, you gave it. your life to it's an illusion and then you step out of it for whatever reason. And all of a sudden it's like, Oof. Oh, I'm
0: alone. Yeah. All gone. Oof, gone.
3: And actually Denny, since you've
4: left the the profession, how many people in your old agencies now you you've been through uh, three different agencies. How many of those do you stay in contact with?
6: Um, there's, there's a handful. Um, it's and it's funny, you mentioned about leaving, and I had a lieutenant years ago that when they left, and I'm like, oh, you're going to be missed, and the place is going to fall apart without you, and he's like, it's not. He said, you know, for a week, people yeah. will talk. And he said, after a week's gone, I'll be forgotten, long gone memory, and, it, and he's absolutely correct, and I told, you know, friends of mine yeah. that told me that when I leave, like, oh, you know, I really think about staying, and you know, it, it, it'll be good, and you're going to be missed, and I was like, you know, brother, it's, I, I appreciate it, but Give it a week and it'll be distant memory from me being here no no matter what kind of impact you may have had it's a distant memory um but for your question i have a handful and there were several folks that when i was a platoon commander that worked for me that you know i tried to stay close with them so i still keep in touch with them um and just try to check in from time to time you know i I try to be good about picking a random person you know out of my context that, that i work and just hey how you doing how are things going um and just checking in with them because I, I know they're still dealing with everything in law enforcement right now. So and there's yeah. there's a couple, I'd probably say maybe two or three that, that check in with me from time to time, but it, it's very sporadic, it's very infrequent unless I'm you know reaching out. Hey, how are things going there? How are you doing there? So yeah. once you're gone, you're
3: you mind if I... sure. Um, just a quick question, don't mean to cut you off. But um do you find it difficult or challenging sometimes when um, – to remind yourself to make that phone call? Not that you don't want to or you don't care, but um, once you leave the job, life life takes over and, and you've got responsibilities. And, and it works on, on both sides of that, that phone conversation. But do you find it challenging or sometimes it's like you have to make yourself yes. remember to keep that connection?
0: I, I do. And like you
6: said –
0: I was going to say, I have four friends Done. from um, my agency that I can honestly say are my friends. They were all four of them or my partner at some point or another. And we, I mean, we have to push each other to call each other or message each other. But they're the only ones that in my time out that check on me and I check on them. And we always know what's going on in each other's lives, even if a few weeks goes by. But sometimes, like, when I, I, I think about it, I'm like, oh, I got to push myself, make sure I reach out, see how they're doing.
3: I find, I find, like, um... Probably recently, more so than than when I first left. Um, maybe about four or five people actually have kept in touch or stopped by my, my you know my, the brewery or you know come in, in in chat. But as far as like phone calls and stuff, i, I that's far and few between. But the, the reason why I ask that is is it's funny because um, I have three kids. My oldest is sixteen, and I going through a divorce and whatnot. So I I, I try to teach them to take the the high ground, the moral ground, um, no matter how you feel about a person. Um, if you can find a way to get over that feeling, that emotion, whatever you want to call it and, and, and reach out and make that contact and force yourself to do something you might not want to do or might not feel comfortable doing in the end, on the backside, you can sit there and say, I kept my end of the bargain. You know, I, I, I can, I can go to bed saying that I truly cared about X, Y, Z, this person, that person, whatever I'm, I'm going to, despite my feelings, my, my animosity to the agency, the, you know, the, the person, the organization, whatever you're coming from, you have to take that bigger step. Yeah. What about you, Danny?
6: I I do. It's not just, as you said, it's not that you don't want to keep in touch, but, um, you know, life gets busy and there is so many things Mm. in your day. And when you step away from the job, you've kind of stepped out of that realm per se, and now you've got a new focus. So you're doing, I'm doing more things with my family, doing more things with my kids, doing more things, with my wife, doing home improvement projects, actually enjoying a holiday off, actually enjoying a, a, a weekend where before, you know, that was a a damn luxury. Um, so you're enjoying these things. So, and I do remind myself, I have, you know, we do have a, a couple that we see regularly and, um, the, um, friend of mine, he's still on the department. So um you know, just for example, we met for brunch yesterday and I'm, you know, asking I'm usually checking on people, how was so and so doing? How was so and so doing and particular ones that I, I I think may have, you know, been struggling at a time or two. And and that sparked me. He's he mentioned somebody's name, that sparked me right there. I'm like, you know, I'm gonna pick up my phone and just say hi, how you doing? But sometimes it takes that reminder for me to check in with somebody, check in to see how they're doing. So it, it, it does get tough. But um I I think it's important. And I I like what you said about keeping your end of the bargain, whether anybody's checking in on me, I like to keep my end. You know, I'm still trying to make an attempt to, to reach out and see how folks are doing. Particularly. I know that the job that they're dealing with now and how difficult it is.
4: Well, going, going back to when you decided to, to leave altogether, um, What was ultimately the the reason behind...
6: You broke up on that last part there, sorry.
4: It's time to to walk away. It's time to
6: hang it up. Uh, I think I had lost you just for a second. There we go.
4: We we thought that you were thinking about that. It was very dramatic. (laughs) It was was very (laughs) quiet. Repeat the question if you
6: would. and I may have to think about it.
4: (laughs) (laughs) What was the, what was the ultimate, like the factor in deciding to leave, like to, to make that jump and, and hang it up and leave the profession?
6: Well, um, I had, you know, still without going, rewinding completely far back, but, you know, with, I had a lot of struggles I had dealt with for, for years. Um, and it was just a slow, gradual progression that I didn't pay attention to, um, and mm-hmm. it really it cost me my first marriage and it turned my family upside down um, with the two main events that had happened um, in 2006 that really that hit me were I had two good friends killed in the line of duty that year within four months of each other. Um, one that I'd gone through the academy with uh, was shot and killed on a mm-hmm. domestic. Um, and just as I feel like I'm not even processing mm-hmm. that four months later. a a good friend from my very first agency was killed during a motor vehicle pursuit. Um, and that was, was particular. I don't think I ever really processed those. And of course, back to work, facing everything else that you face in in law enforcement, it builds and builds. Um, and you know, I'm not sleeping, not feeling good. I'm angry, angry outbursts, I'm irritable. And, you know, I started turning to the poor coping mechanisms I'm I'm going out, I'm drinking, I'm drinking at home, drinking. So I go to sleep. Um, and then my, that, First marriage, you know, suffered uh, infidelity on my part. Um, and it's not something that I'm, you know, proud of at all. And it's you know, difficult to bring up, um, but it, it happened and it was just too much. And that marriage was just no longer moved on. Didn't really get better per se, but I kind of buried everything for a while, got back into um, working again. And I had promotions. Yeah. I made detective. I made sergeant. I then remarried to my wife now, who's just uh, amazing. And it's um, she probably should get a a medal of honor for sticking it out as long as she has for the past eight years. Um, But um, that uh, the same issues just came back up again and it became even worse and worse and worse. And as it continued to progress, bad coping, came back and again I mean you you couldn't even be near me every day was I found a reason for that to be a horrible day the the most small setback was a disaster and I was angry um and unfortunately I faced infidelity yet again second go around again um and I was actually had started seeing a police psychologist at the time but I wasn't being open and forthright with everything that was going on so there's only so much he can do for me when I'm only showing him part of what's going on and of course with with that disco around internal affairs became involved and at this point i was a lieutenant i was a platoon commander on the night shift um was asleep but i was functioning at work at work i was smiles and laughing and joking and 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 everything's great And, and i think most of the people that worked around me we are a lot, most of them probably don't know this whole story. They know a little bit, um, but would be surprised at how much I was struggling once I left work. I mean, zero ability to function at home or when I'm off at all. Um, and you know, with that infidelity came the internal affairs investigation and you're, you know waiting, I'm sitting at that time. And that's when, you know, the suicidal ideation came in. Um, but long and short of it, um, the decision was, was a demotion. And and I'll tell you, there's this misnomer in, at least in my agency and most agencies that as you get promoted, you just get more levels to protect you from being on the street. If you're captain, you get trouble when well, you go down to lieutenant. Hey, if you're a major, hey, you get captain and you got, lieutenant. you got all these levels that don't just promote you the one level. Well, that's bullshit. That's not true. Um, I proved that that true because I went from lieutenant to corporal um, Wow, and that was a tough pill to swallow. Another that's misnomer wrong. is
4: Yeah, that's wrong.
6: Yeah. Uh, it was it was it was a hit. Um the other misnomer that we had is well, you know, if you get demoted, they can only take five percent of your pay. Wrong. They took 17% mm. of my pay. So that what? was heavy. Um, and I was able to Did
4: you say seven percent?
6: Seventeen. Seventeen. What? Yes, sir.
4: 17%, 17% home oh, shit. Yeah.
6: So
3: uh, just quick question. Um, during the interviews um, with, with internal affairs, was any consideration given to the totality of the situation and what was going on? I mean, were you, were you honest to the point where you shared the stuff going on at home that might affect your, or influence your, your, your career on the job?
1: I, I
6: did. I, I we addressed that uh, the initial just surface of the investigation. No, they wrote really in not ask a lot of those questions. However, I was able to right. write kind of a little narrative that I put. I put talked about all the things that were going on and, and what happened with this and, and, and how it came to be, and hoping that was some consideration um, while it was going on. I actually hey,
3: tell had, the truth. You
6: <laughs> well, the other kicker was I had at that time 19 years and that was the first time i'd ever been in internal affairs i'd never had i've had one complaint in my career one minor complaint that i was exonerated from never had a bump in the road um and also when this is when i'm waiting for the disposition i have a captain that calls me and and he's a good guy and and i know he was you know really worried about me and checking in on me and but he told me he said um do you have something in place? And you, do you have, if this completely goes sideways? And I said, am I getting fired? And he said, well, that's, he, he said, it's, you know, and they charge it. Um, and I'll get to that in a second. But the way the charge is, he said, you know, that that is on the table. That is a a potential. So then I'm looking at losing my job, um, which was just wow. devastating. You know, 19 Man, years really of stellar service. And now I'm looking at being out the door. Um I would, one of the dynamics of it was the other party in this investigation was another member of the department and it was a more junior member of the department. So even though this individual did not work directly for me because of the separation and rank, they charged it as uh, fraternization, which was, wow. which was pretty oh hefty in, in our internal affairs. Um, but, um, but, but man, I know I've kind of talked around your, your question. Um, I did get myself together and, and, and we can you know go back on that on how that came to be. But I went back to work. Uh, I walked in the roll call as a corporal and I took my beat assignment um, and I and I worked and I struggled through it. And it took me a while and there was a turning point for me where I, I didn't think I was going to make it. I thought it was going to go the other way. And I thought I'm, I'm going to be checking out because I can't recover from this ever. Um, but. I did. And I stayed for about nine months and a good, when I, I was about to leave and a good friend of mine um, had told me, he said, don't, don't go. And, and he's wasn't on the department. He's a good friend. He said, don't go. He said, cause you're leaving on their terms. You've, you've taken a hit. You're checking out, you're leaving. He said, stay, work, get yourself back together and, and get to where you're feeling and you're in a good place. And then if you decide that you don't want to stay, go, it's on your terms at that point. And, and I believe that was true. And after about nine months, it was, I was doing well, but I could tell that there was still, you know, I still had a lot to repair at home, family, and with my marriage. And I wanted my marriage to succeed. And for the first time in my life, my marriage became the number one priority. My career had always been the number one. Everything took a back seat to my career in law enforcement forever. And this first time, I had to make the, the choice of what was most important to me, and that was the marriage. And I knew me staying was hard on my wife. She never encouraged me to go. She said this is your decision that you have to make because you have to live with it and she wanted didn't want me to have any kind of stress of feeling under pressure to make any decision. But I knew it was tough on her me being there. I also knew that if I was going to stay and try to work my way back to sergeant or lieutenant, the sacrifice I was going to have to do again, you know, midnight she that what I like to call is to make lieutenant to get where I was, I had to write a pretty big check. At the sacrifice of my health, yep. my well-being, my family, my marriage, I wrote a big check. Mm-hmm. And when I sat and thought about it, yeah. to get back, do I want to write that check again? I don't. It's not worth what I wrote mm-hmm. the first time. So I decided I was going to look for some some different jobs, um, maybe do something different, make a change. And some things fell into alignment, and I got a. And that's when I came to DCGS initially, and it was. Working from home, I had nights off, weekends off, stayed holidays off, and I immediately felt so much better. The the amount of stress that lifted off. But the um but the decision to leave really truly really wasn't from what I had done, mistakes I'd made or the or the demotion that, that was a, a tough point. But the decision was I'm gonna put my family first because at some point I'm gonna leave this job. and like you said to me, it is just a job. It is not my life. It is not my identity. Mm-hmm. It is a job. And if I stay there one day, I'm going to walk out the door and it's going to be all gone. My family's still going to be here. My wife's still, hopefully God mm-hmm. willing, and she is. So I made the decision for my well-being, my marriage, my family's wellbeing. And, and I don't regret the decision.
4: Well, then what's interesting about your story is it rings home for, for Lauren specifically, and definitely me because um uh the demotion part and in having to walk in a roll call after being in charge of roll call and yeah. and going on scenes where you were in charge of those scenes and then watching you know people run scenes that are fucking, fucking atrocious <laughs> like oh my, my God. first when i got demoted it, it was it was like it was like a perfect storm, Denny. I had gotten demoted, and within like a week or two after getting cut loose from field training, um, which is hilarious all on its own, um, there was a homicide, and it was two fucking idiots shooting at each other, and one idiot got shot in the fucking melon, and you know his brains are, and, but he's still alive and he's talking. Of course. Oh. All of the, yeah, I know. You, me, and Lauren and Nicole, we fucking scratch ourselves getting out of the car. We die of staph infection. This, <laughs> this motherfucker's got to yep. have a brain. Got a hangnail. Ah! Yep. And what I found funny was is that one of my quote unquote field trainer that I had, who had like two or three years on the job, is using a tourniquet, um, a tourniquet <laughs> med pack a snake on this dude's brain injury <laughs> as he's talking <laughs> with this other fucking moron.
3: On an egg. Well,
4: they're using this gauze pad out of the trauma pack. Yeah. And I turn around. I, I walk up to him. I go, what are you doing? They're like, we're trying to stop the bleeding. I was like, even Jesus Christ's finger couldn't save this guy. He's going to die. <laughs> and they're like, no, no, no. I go, you see that spongy shit on the floor over there? That's his memory portion of his brain. Okay, he's not going to fucking make it. But anyway, that was the fun part. The second part was, is I'm watching, you know, because there's a homicide. Every fucking sergeant and the watch commander has to show up. I'm watching five sergeants show up on scene. It's like watching a monkey fuck a football because they don't know what the fuck they're doing. They don't know what the fucking cordoned off. They don't like these two idiots are shooting at each other and, and the bullets are going into houses. So I come like standing there over uh, shells on the ground and this one sergeant that had just gotten promoted comes over and I'm like, um, hey, uh, I don't want to tell you what to do. But uh, you might want to have somebody go start knocking on the door over at that uh, townhouse over there with the fucking 16 bullets in it. And he's like, he puts his flashlight on and he's like, oh, shit. And I go, yeah, there's probably a dead kid up there. And he, he's like, he's like, oh, shit. And I go, uh, and you might want to somebody start fan out and find the gun. That flew out of this dummy's hands when he got shot, like stupid shit like that. So it was
3: it was tough to watch. But um, question, yeah, it was tough to watch. But how relief? How relieved were you that you didn't have to deal with the shit? No, I wasn't. That's the weird part. I was sad. I was sad because I mean, like I, when I when I left when I was a school resource officer and I went back to patrol and of course I went back to midnights and, and yeah. I walked into roll call and you know, Seckler was the, the was the sergeant on, on, he looked at me and he's just like, he had no clue. So when I sat down, I mean, I was the most from shammy. I was the most senior person there and I'm sitting there like, okay, this is going to be fun. I'll just keep my mouth shut and just do my job. And he looked at me. He's like, welcome to midnights. We'll talk later. Yeah. <laughs> it just was like yeah. shocked. And it, it, it I missed it, like like those things, like just to just to come to work and do your job and go home, not have responsibility of that was that was the no. leadership pieces and worrying about that when you go home. That, that, yeah, that, that's that, where that I'm I thinking. didn't yeah. like. I agree with you, like and and Denny could
4: speak to this. When my shift was over and they called us in for ten forty two for the end of the night, and I took, went to the locker room, I got unchanged, I got in my car, and I drove home. It was the most relief because my job was over. I wasn't responsible. I was responsible for an army of one. Yes. Well, but but I was responsible for army of one. Like I didn't have to worry about checking reports. I didn't have to worry about any shit from commanders the next day, criticizing how you ran a scene or that you didn't report this to the, to the chief or, or, or the PIO or any of that stuff. That stuff I didn't miss. The stuff that I missed was mentoring and guiding and going to these crime scenes and running it the right way because you you fuck it up so much when you first get promoted that after a while you master it and you're like you're like alright I know what I need to do and I know what I need to do because I fucked it up so many times and it was it upset me because it was depressing because it was a waste it was like here I was I used to run these scenes and now I'm standing over three shells like that was my whole job for five hours standing over five shells because nobody could find fucking cones to put on shells you know like that's upsetting, and I can only imagine for Denny's point. He's the he was a fucking lieutenant, you know. But to go to Lauren's part, I mean, your story rings home with him because he got, you know, he goes up to II and he tells the truth. And we've always been told in the profession, as long as you tell the truth, you're going to be all right. As long as you tell the truth, you're going to be all right. And Lawrence thing wouldn't even came about if he didn't come forward and say something. His investigation was because he came and say, hey, listen, I'm going th- about to go through a divorce. So I'm going through a divorce. This may come up. So his investigation got initiated because of him. And then in the end, he gets fucked. And not in uh, the way he likes. But, you know, like...
3: <laughs> Jackass. <I'm>
4: sorry. <laughs> poor, De- poor Denny. There's like a delay in audio. It's funny to see your reaction after, after we say something is really- delayed. It's just funny. But but we can you know Lauren and
3: I could definitely relate to that, um, and I would well, imagine that, that's that's where I went with that where I was going with that question was like I've always said this before you go in and you have subject A shot subject B mm-hmm. well subject A is guilty per the law and we're gonna arrest subject A and that's it closed case but. Yeah, on paper, black and white, you look at the, the regulations, the, the directives, and the, the ARs, and, and yeah, black and white, it says, Thou shalt not do this. But then when you talk to the person and you, the way we are trained to write a report, we don't write subject A, shot subject B, rest of subject A for, you know, Thomas, uh, whatever. You have to paint the picture. You have right. to, you have to. Describe the environment. You had to describe feelings, emotions. You had to paint the picture to a person that's going to read the report that is not familiar with law enforcement whatsoever. No jargons no nothing, as if you're writing a book. And you look at the totality of the circumstances. What caused Subject A to to shoot Subject B? If if Subject B threatened Subject A with bodily harm, and you were defending yourself, there's so many caveats to it. So that's like when I asked the, the question earlier about you know. Did you tell II the totality of what was going on personally, outside of work, inside of work? Th- did that make any difference or did that, you know, make it worse? For me, it made it worse, ten times worse. And I told him, I said, if I never mentioned a single thing to you, we would never have this conversation. No, you'd still be on the job.
4: Mm-hmm. I, I truly believe that. I think you would have still been on the job. And it's really not cultivating a good next generation of police officers because in essence, and and whoever listens to this later on, in essence, the w- culture that we're cultivating right now is, is that if you just stay quiet, you really do have more of a 50 50 chance. Um, and honesty isn't the best policy these not days anymore. in law enforcement. No, not at all. It's better for you just to kind of roll the dice. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's better for you just to kind of roll the dice and let I figure it out on their own or the chief to figure it out on his own, um, because they've taken advantage of folks that. That come forward and say, hey, listen, I did wrong. I know I did wrong. Um, I'm being completely honest with you. This is what happened. And they take that and they go, Oh, okay, well, you know what? Now we're gonna take advantage of your honesty and we're gonna fucking drop the hammer on you. Um
3: political political climate. It's the political hit job. And 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 in this current climate that we're in where we're not recruiting. Reform people, law, reform police, you know, cut back or or clean house and 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 you know, oh, here's an officer that clearly Violated direct uh, directives. So he's one of the bad guys. We're going to X him and clear, clear, get rid of him, tarnish his career. So he can't get hired anywhere else because we have this new law where you can't, you know, you can't quit one job, go to another job. And, yep. um, well, that's what, ta- what forcing they- The ones that really do wrong. Right keep the fucking mouth shut.
4: Well, and that's what's happening is is II uh, is reporting not reporting specific details of these investigations to the public, but what they need is they need enough meat in their reports to the public that they're doing internal investigation and they're catching quote unquote bad cops. And so when they report to the public, they go, hey, we've done 15 internal investigations about misconduct and we've felt found 13 of those 15 guilty. The public is like, well, whoa, whoa. You guys have a lot of credibility because you're finding people guilty. We really fucked up. (laughs) But 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 they're they're just basically selling out really good officers and good officers like Denny and 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 Lauren and myself are leaving. And I couldn't believe at that conference. There were a lot of folks that came up to me before and after I spoke that really are interviewing outside of the job like, you know, like you and me and, and Lauren Where we're finding out that we are worth a lot more money outside of this profession, especially now. um, (laughs) Yeah, especially now that the unemployment benefits have been basically cut off. Um, A lot of government agencies, a lot of private companies have opened their books and they're hiring former law enforcement because we know how to write reports, we know how to communicate, we know how to get things out of people. Uh, without beating the shit out of them some of us um you know it's it's a it's a really big market now i look on indeed and i see all these investigator jobs um that weren't there three four months ago uh companies like facebook and TikTok and all these other places are now starting to realize hey this anti-cop movement is actually good for us because we have a lot of cops that don't want to fucking be cops anymore and you can join these companies at eighty eighty five thousand dollars to start, and it's all telework. It's remote. I mean, who doesn't want to do that? Like, you know, I work for the government, and now that I've got my foot in the door, I can move around and go wherever I want and climb up GS levels. And the work is nothing compared to what we used to do. I just um, drink beer yeah <laughs> lauren's whole job is drinking beer all day and coffee. he gets paid for it
6: then. i do yeah. are they hiring for that job
3: i am hiring yes i am the boss so I bring it's, the too place. Much of a, it's too much of a commute for you yeah. i've got a good well, resume we can telework but,
4: <laughs> well um i want to ask you a couple of things before we wrap up um sure did you have any struggles after you left the profession did you have any struggles with um,
3: your sleep pattern, nightmares? Um... I had them today. Yeah, I had one. La- I had them last night. I mean, I've had them for like last – I mean, they – and as you asked him the question, not yeah. me. But um, I've – you know, after the shooting, I had nightmares. After, uh, you know, getting fired, I had nightmares. Yep. And then they kind of went away for a while. In, like, like the, the last mess. month, probably every single night. Yep. And they're – did you find that, that that you were having nightmares or anything
4: after you left? And what I'm asking is the post-trauma of all of the scenes that we all see while we're on the job that we kind of just kind of stuff down. Sure. Um, and then when you're out of it, the floodgates open because you're like all the shit that you didn't deal with before. Now you're dealing with. Did you experience that?
6: A little fortunately before I got out, uh, since I did stay, I was regularly seeing a, a fantastic police psychologist that really helped me process a lot that I had gone through and process a lot that would have happened mm-hmm. and helped me kind of get myself back together. So I was actually, when I left, I'd gotten myself into a good place where I was feeling better. Home was better, my marriage was was much stronger, my family was much stronger, and that helped leaving. I think had I left right after all that happened, it would have been much harder for me to adjust. Um, I did have it was still a struggle with the the identity portion. I mean policing gives you this Mm -hmm. identity that you think that you're a cop, you're a police officer, you that that is who you are. That is the whole essence of everything and who you are. And you're giving that up just simple things of just not walking around with a with a badge in your pocket. It was just it was like, oh geez, you know, I don't have a badge in my pocket. What if something happens? What am I gonna what am I gonna do? How am I gonna save the day? Um and that was different. and that's yeah. still a little bit
3: not um, even, even carrying a gun anymore.
6: <clears throat> right. Um it's
0: it's hard. Yeah, but it's, been that. Um,
6: as far as my nightmares, I wouldn't have nightmares, but I did seemed like I had a lot of dreams. Like I was still on a department. I would have dreams that I'm driving into work or dreams that I'm showing up at a roll call or, or I mean, but I had dreams about that so much nightmarish, but dreams like I was still there. Um, but fortunately I had yeah. Turned such a corner when I left. I think that really helped with the transition. But the biggest thing for me has been the loss of that identity and and trying to reprogram myself that that's not my identity. That was just a job that I did for a long fucking time, and it was just a job, and that's it. What my identity? So struggling you, with that do still, changing.
3: Do you still see therapy? Do you still go um, have therapeutic sessions outside of the uh, outside of the job?
6: I do. When it um. Not as regular. When it was going on, it was like he, he he said, "You need to come here every week. I need to see you next week." Um, I actually did, I know and and Nick, you talked about in your book. You talked about medication and stuff like that. I did um, go on some medication, which I still take. My issue was the the flashpoint of my anger. It could be anything. You could bump into me, and I'm you know skyrocket. I'm just angry pissed, furious, and you couldn't be around me. Everybody walked in eggshells just the littlest thing would. my flash point was so low, boom, I'm I'm fired up. So I um, have a prescription that helps kind of lower that flash point if you I mean raise that flash point if you will. So you know things that would normally just piss me off beyond you know all comprehension are just eh, ain't no big deal. And it really did help. It yeah. it helped a lot. But I do still see my psychologist, it's just more infrequently, more of more of maintenance and check-in. I, I think it was more of, you know, taking my car in every year for an inspection and oil change stuff like that. Every you know, I go in every week just to check in how things are going. As I'm feeling, and if something has come up, we discuss it. But I do think it's important to have maintenance. I don't think you can go get help and therapy and do things and then just be done and, and never revisit it again.
4: <clears throat> no, I, yeah, I, I That's the one regret I had from the, the speaking engagement I wish I would spend a little bit more time talking. I talked about medication, but I should have drove the point home, which is is that don't fear going on medication for specific things. Absolutely, Uh, Lauren and I speak very openly about about taking medication. I've been through many different medications. I'm transitioning to a different medication currently. It sucks ass, um, and it just but
0: sucks ass when you don't do it the right way, though. (laughs)
4: That's Just oh saying. yeah. thank you yep. <laughs> So, anyway, just, a memo, just a memo to our our, our fans um, yeah. you know don't just arbitrarily just come off of the medication cold yeah, turkey do it the follow right the instructions not smart follow
0: what your therapist says not smart
3: <laughs> I have to, I, I can't say anything because there are times I haven't taken mine either and yeah yeah I just I was like I just woke up and I was like you know what I'm not gonna take this anymore.
4: And yeah. that was just. And it doesn't tell his wife. Two days. Uh, it took two days for it to like, like feel. It felt like a heroin and what withdrawal. Did I, and what did
0: I say to you? I was like, oh, that's why you've been a dick for the last two days.
4: <laughs> two days. <laughs> that's <laughs> that brutal honesty. Yeah. That's that like brutal right. honesty. Uh, but, you know, I, 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 I think talking about it openly and, and people it's not being afraid. Important. Yeah, I think people not being afraid to take medication is important in our profession. Unfortunately, we have agencies out there that still kind of, you know, uh, shun people for taking it. Oh, God, mine. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) I could spend
0: two hours on that.
4: Uh, I mean, speaking about nightmares, I just keep on having the same nightmare over and over of my former chief penetrating me.
0: (laughs) um,
6: You definitely want to go see some help for that.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's it's rough. It's rough. Um, but, you know, I thought my anger issues were bad. shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, Danny, I, I, I we've been uh, on for a while and I think we're going to have to do a part two with you. Um, All right. I, I think it's fantastic the stuff that you uh, that you mentioned. Um, I want to have you on again. Uh, because there's way more to cover in your story, uh, and we wouldn't be able to do it all in one shot. Um, right. And uh, it's it's refreshing to hear somebody else tell uh, tell their story because I think a lot are people, a lot of people are going through what you went through, what Lauren went through, what I went through, what, went through, what Nicole went through, and it's important for people to hear from other than us three in the studio, uh, somebody out there, so we don't sound completely fucking insane. Um, so. I thank you for for sharing. Not that we
0: find joy in your story or yeah. anything like that. It's just no, 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 no,
4: no. No. it's I very informative.
0: It. Yeah. Yeah. It's mind-blowing how the culture is out there and
4: it's not changing. It's
0: just not changing. It's like it's getting not better and it's everywhere. It's just not in your four walls.
3: Yeah. And and, and th- that was the the basis of the, premise of, the of the podcast was mm-hmm. to share an experience with listeners who can sit there and say yeah, damn. I, I have the same issues where I'm at. I have this. I'm going through the same problems. Yep. And the biggest, most comforting feature I think that's out there is is the fact that I'm not alone. Yep. Yeah. It was it was comforting
4: at the end of that conference to have people come and stay afterwards and say, you know, I went through the same thing and I'm going through it right now and I'm starting to really debate whether or not this is worth it. And I never steer anybody away from leaving the profession. But I do tell them that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. It is a lot better on the other side. It's just you have to make it's the jump. Red and blue. <laughs> yeah, you, just, you, know, you can. If your premise of being a cop is to save lives, there's many other ways for you to do it. And but you got to save yours you gotta, first. You took it right out of my mouth. you got to save
6: yours first. Absolutely. Uh,
4: but, Denny, I want to thank Denny, thank you for taking the time to come out and come talk to us. Uh, we're going to do another one of these very, very soon with you. Awesome. Um, and then he's got some pretty cool things planned in the future that uh, we're going to help him with. Um, and uh, we want to thank you again for coming on.
6: No, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, it was a to, pleasure meeting you. <laughs> that was great meeting y'all as well. I, I, right. I appreciate you having me on. I, I do think it's important to hear as many stories as you can. Um, one thing that I find uh, there is that comfort that I'm not alone, but I also know in in my time sometimes you know some stories just don't resonate and some do the more you hear the more you hear from other cops it it may be that story that man that really resonates with me you may hear 20 other stories but it's that 21st story that you hear that man that that really hit with me that definitely resonates so I, i appreciate the opportunity to be here and you guys are fantastic
4: all right buddy uh all right folks just uh stay tuned and we will be right back
3: Did you have that personally made? No. Uh no, my daughter got me into this guy.
4: Yeah. My son. My son. Phenomenal. That's the concert he's going to next Saturday. Uh so we're back from break. Uh outstanding interview with uh Danny. He did such a great job
3: good story good uh, yeah day. really really, really, good, really good, good, good soul good guy yeah. really really good we're gonna have
4: to have him on again to kind of complete that
3: um, I wish I was able to go to the conference with you guys to see you I only saw Snips, snippets on uh, Facebook there but I can't uh, wait to see the actual yeah I, I yeah. turned it into
4: a YouTube video so I'll put that link in this also for those of you that want to watch it um, folks I want to thank you again for tuning in and coming back uh, we look forward to the next episode unless uh, in Month, less than two months we will push out another
3: episode
4: um and as always make sure that you're taking good care of each other take care uh, of yourselves take care of yourselves care of yes and find a hobby outside of what you're doing and if you ever need any help or any assistance you can reach me at nick at rollcallroom.com lauren lauren l-o-r-e-n at rollcallroom.com Or Nicole at rollcallroomcafe.com. All right, folks, take it easy. Be good to each other. And we'll see you on the next one. Live the dream. Live the dream.
0: Sleep, everybody.
4: Yeah. Sleep. What? Sleep. Sleep. Sleep.
2: Sleep.
1: Sleep.
3: (sighs) You got to send me who this is. I think that's strong enough.
1: Yeah.